This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom Dioria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom Dioria. Welcome to IMI Tech Talk. It's the third Sunday of June. It's June 21st, 2015. Happy Father's Day to all your fathers and men that uh, act as Fathers, guardians, parents to kids, uh, we wish you all the best on your day. It's uh, 6 p.m. in New York and 3 p.m. in Arizona, and today we are live from our New York offices, and we're going to be discussing E3 Expo 2015, and we'll let our guests tell you what E3 is all about. Um I think you're going to find this uh, a pretty interesting show because it's a pretty interesting conference. I'm Tom DiOri. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated, and together with our weekly guests, whether a business or home technology user, we're going to help you make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with an increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with an industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software equipment, or new contract opportunities. One of our guests followed this for many aspects of business and industry. And if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to Tech Talk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at I-M-I dash us dot com and we'll get back to you pretty quickly anytime after our show introduction please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with you can call 277-KFNX that's 277-5369 and if you're outside the 602 listening area call us toll free at 1-866-536-1100 you can send us uh, email questions at the email address I just gave you. That's techtalk at imi-us.com. And uh, if you want to listen to us live but you can't get to our radio being simulcast on the web, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to our website, which is imi-us.com. Click on the Tech Talk button in the upper right-hand corner of the webpage. All the shows are there. You can download them, listen to them as many times as you want, send them to your friends. It's free, so please take advantage of that. And please call in any time during the show and get you on as quickly as possible. First segment's how we can review is our increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's compiled by Jose Batista, Dave Brandon, and Dan Dioria. Okay, the Wall Street Journal tells us that a new digital music initiative launched by five orchestras hopes to woo classical music fans by making live performances available faster through Google's Inc.'s digital music service. The initiative, Dove Classical Life, offers the current live recordings of orchestras on Google Play Music, the search giant's digital music service. Besides the Philharmonic and the Cleveland Orchestra, the other groups are the Boston Symphony Orchestra, London Symphony Orchestra, and the Royal Concert Orchestra of Amsterdam. 
Users can purchase works for digital downloads starting at $0.69 cents or listen via streaming subscription in 58 countries where the service is available. The Philharmonic, one of the first orchestras to broadcast on the radio in the 1920s, is also one of the several major orchestras that already offers live recordings through its website or music services such as iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon.com. But Classical Live will allow the orchestra to expand its audience even more worldwide. Digital technology and classical music might seem like strange bedfellows, but while hip-hop and country music get downloaded more often, according to a Google spokesman, classical music fans are used to playing, paying for subscriptions, albeit ones that involve showing up at a concert hall. One selling point, Classical Live plans to make new material available more quickly than many fans are used to, with quicker turnarounds between live performances and listening. It's pretty interesting. Okay, let's see. Cranes tells us there are maybe a survivor in the site for the city's old school laundromat, laundromats, uh, which are on a decline. TRIGR, Trigger, an on-demand laundry and dry cleaning app service allows that New Yorkers to order, pick up, and delivery from local cleaners recently launched. The app lets users choose a cleaner based on location, pricing, services offered, and customer ratings. The app for iPhones and iPod Touch hits the market with 15% participating cleaners in Manhattan. The Midtown-based company plans to add 5 to 10 dry cleaning businesses a week and plans to expand to all five boroughs by the end of the summer. Trigger is currently self-funded, but the founder in talks with investors to secure $500 to $1 million seed round. While skyrocketing rents and rising competition from startups such as Cleanly and Fly Cleaners, the number of coin-operated laundromats in the city has dropped 10% to 2,570 in the past decade. By comparison, the number of businesses that accept laundry for off-site washing or dry cleaning has increased by 9% in the same period. Trigger targets dry cleaning businesses such as Upper West Side's Kaylee Cleaners that lack the capital and resources to provide on-demand services. Each cleaner will go through a vetting process to ensure they can handle the workload and can efficiently work the app on their end. The company holds a partnership with the, the Korean Dry Cleaners Association of New York, an organization with more than 2,000 member cleaners in New York's five boroughs. Sounds like a nice service. Seattle Tech Billionaire. Um, Cranes tells us also that the Seattle-based venture capitalist Nick Hanauer uh, was the lone billionaire on hand at New York State's third hearing on fast food wages. Hot topic these days. He testified in favor of raising fast food workers' hourly pay to $15, citing the own city's recent wage hike and is an example of the positive economic offense a city can create with such a move. Seattle recently began incrementally raising to minimum wage and will hit $15 in 2019. The hearing is the third in a series of five on whether fast food workers, many of whom toil for the state's minimum wage of $8.75 an hour, should earn more. Governor Andrew Cuomo paneled the board last month to explore whether the state should raise wages for those workers administratively, that is, without waiting for the legislature to do so. But he has left little doubt about what he would like the board to do, arguing that the fast food industry's corporate executives earn millions while their employees require tax 
taxpayer-funded programs to make ends meet. Okay, um, and finally, I want to tell you about something from the Washington Post. AT&T Mobility LLC has been slapped with a record $100 million fine for offering consumers unlimited data, but then slowing their Internet speeds after they reached a certain amount. The company says it will fight the charges. The Federal Communications Commission said the company misled consumers into buying plans they believe would give them unlimited ability to send and receive data, including web browsing, GPS navigation, and streaming videos. But once the customer hit a certain level, the data on unlimited plans would be slowed down significantly at speeds lower than advertised. AT&T said it would vigorously dispute uh, the fine, which was the largest proposed in FCC history. If AT&T can provide evidence that the FCC allegations are wrong, the fine could be reduced. Otherwise, if ATT refuses to pay, it's possible the two sides will wind up in court. It is not unusual for phone companies to slow or throttle speeds on network as a way to manage congestion. Rise and slow down speeds for its heaviest users, but only on certain smartphones when there is congestion. Once the bottleneck eases, uh, speed returns to normal. Until this spring, AT&T was slowly slowing speeds until its customers' net billing cycle even when there was no congestion. Both Verizon and AT&T phased out their unlimited plans after data usage grew following the iPhone's launch in 2007. So we'll see where that goes. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to get to our guests, and we're going to tell you about the E3 Expo. Please stay tuned. This is uh, Tom Dioria on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's Father's Day, June 21st, 2015. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOria. It's Father's Day, June 21st, 2015. And as I mentioned to you before the break, we're going to uh, talk to you today about the E3 Expo. Uh, Mark Saltzman, uh, who's our guest, has reported on high-tech industry since 1996 as a freelance journalist, author, lecturer, consultant, and radio and TV personality. He specializes in consumer electronics, computers, internet trends, and social media, small to medium-sized business tech, and interactive entertainment. Mark contributes to more than 40 publications, including USA Today, Yahoo, and MSN. Mark, thanks for uh, taking the time to be with us today. Thank you very much for having me. I apologize in advance for my raspy voice, but that's what happens when you're at a convention like E3. Uh, well, that's all right. We've got a raspy voice on this side because uh, I guess we have an allergy to grass pollen, so we're we're <laughs> even for different reasons. All right. Um, so E3, what is E3? So E3, uh, or E3 to the power of three, is, stands for Electronic Entertainment Expo. So it is a video game expo or convention. I guess there's a difference, but it is a window to the future of the multi-billion dollar video game industry. So it can be any platform 
console being the biggest, the ones you play on your TV, uh, computer games, mobile games like smartphones and tablets and handheld systems like uh, the Nintendo 3DS or the PlayStation Vita, um, or other other platforms, smartwatch games and uh, you know, smart TV games. It's really all about interactive entertainment or video games and where we're going. So this is the opportunity to see and play games that aren't out yet for, in some cases, six to eighteen months in the future, if not farther in the future. But there are there are some games that I'm sure we'll be chatting about that are coming out sooner than that. But it's for industry people only. About 50,000 people crammed into the Los Angeles uh, Convention Center, the LACC, and you get a chance to see games and some gear, some hardware as well, uh, that isn't out yet for the most part. So really an exciting show for guys like me who I cover this professionally, but personally I'm, I'm into this. Uh, so it's uh, really it's an exhausting but very gratifying glimpse into where we're going in the video game space. Now, is this a relatively uh, new event, or has it been going on for a while? Yeah, it's been going on uh, since the mid-'90s, so this was my 18th E3, and I think I only missed one or two. My first one was in 97 or 98 in Atlanta, and then in 99 it went back to L.A., and that's where it has remained. Um, But it is starting to overflow the three main halls of the LACC, the South Hall, West Hall, and Concourse, and is now spilled into nearby hotels and some tents across the road on Figueroa Street and Pico. And, you know, it's really, it's really getting big. So I think, it, I think 96 or 97 was its first year. So uh, it has, uh, I think this was the 21st uh, official E3, or 20, 20th official E3 Expo. And there's really that many games out there? Well, there used to be more games, truthfully. Uh, As you likely know, video games, unless you're talking about mobile games, which can be made by a couple of people with a modest budget, the, the games that you play on your TV or on your computer now are into the many tens of millions of dollars, not including licensing. So we're not talking about a Star Wars game where the, the licensing alone is tens of millions of dollars in some cases, or licensing a sports, uh, like an athlete. Um, so we're talking about teams of hundreds of people, uh, or even a thousand people making one game for two or three years. So because the stakes are so high, because they really got to make their money back, we are seeing today fewer games than I would say 10 years ago. I can tell you as a video game critic, a columnist, I, I get now, I would say, you know, a couple of hundred games a year max to review, where I remember a time where there was easily a hundred games out a month. So really? I think that, I think that uh, it's the, the industry is maturing. These games are now becoming interactive movies, which are ambitious to make because Unlike a movie, which is linear, you sit back, it's what we call passive entertainment. The whole story and the pacing and the the locations, that has all been laid out for you. But with a video game, you choose whether you go right or left when you're riding down the street in a Batmobile. And, and every decision you make has to have been created. So it's uh, a lot of these open world games, uh, they are pretty ambitious. So as a result, 
They cost many tens of millions to make, and they take many years to make, and so companies are only releasing a few a year instead of uh, dozens a year. So good question, though. So, Mark, you say that uh, it's not open to the uh, public, it's open to the trades. Uh, if these companies are trying to make their money back, don't they want the public to know about them, or are they expecting the people that show up uh, to make that case for them? Yeah. So I should clarify that this year, for the first time, it was open to the public in a limited way. You had to apply for a wristband. So try to treat it a little bit like a fan expo, kind of like a Comic Con. So if you're a you know a video game nut, you can apply and get a, a pass to go in. So this year is a bit different, but generally speaking, it's uh, journalists, analysts, developers, the guys that make the game, the guys and girls that make the game, and then the publishers, the ones who fund and distribute and advertise the games, and then retailers. That was it. So it is open a little bit more. But to go back to your question, there's so much hype now around this event, E3, that when um, the show happens, uh, whether it's the Internet or, or mainstream media like radio, like we're talking on right now, or TV uh, or in newspapers and magazines, there's, there's so much hype about this industry that they, the companies, even though it may be closed to the public for the most part, they still want to make a splash because journalists like me, uh, whether you're a mainstream journalist or you're a video game, <coughs> excuse me, expert, and you write for video game publications, you're going to want it. The, <coughs> pardon me. You're going to want the hype. You're going to, they're, they're going to rely on guys like us to share the hype. Okay, so that's a, that's a good point. So, and I would it guess trickles you don't down, want right if you're a yeah, hardcore gamer like two out of my three kids. They've been on YouTube and on other websites all week seeing what I'm actually seeing in person because they are fanatical about games. You know, it's a very passionate uh, crowd for the most part. Very rarely when a new piece of media comes out do people wait, like camp out overnight, let alone pre-order it. You know, but when a new video game comes out, people line up at a retailer and they camp out for days on end to be one of the first. It's a, a very passionate culture. Now, is what you're seeing there stuff that's already out, about to come out, or in the future? Yeah, so as I mentioned, E3 is mostly about the future. There are a few products that are available now or uh, available in a month or two, but mostly it's uh, a peek into a game in progress. So it's not quite ready for prime time. But you're, you know, that's what I think part of the appeal of this show is, and what gets a lot of my colleagues and my um, my friends and my my kids' friends jealous that I get to go is because uh, it's early on. So you know, I'm playing games that may not be out until at least holiday 2015, if not 2016. So uh, I know we'll, we'll we'll chat about some games that are available this earlier in the fall, but um, yeah, it's mostly about the future. Okay, so that's a good tease. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're talking to Mark Saltzman about uh, the E3 Expo that he uh, just came back from. And this is Tom Dioria on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's Sunday, June 21st, Father's Day, 2015. 
And we're going to be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. This is the half-hour break, so you're going to hear all the national news and international news. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria. It's Sunday, Father's Day, the 21st of June, 2015. We're talking about the E3 Expo. Uh, Mark Saltzman, our guest, was just telling us about how he gets to play with these games that you guys want to play with, but you got to wait. Um, just one one more question before we get into the specifics of, of what sure. you saw there. Um, you're seeing these games that aren't quite out yet, may come out, uh, the end of the year around the holidays. Are they looking for feedback or reading your your posts to see what you think about them and refining these games, or are they basically done, ready to go? So you, we get a chance to see games at various levels of development. If it is early, is early enough on in the development cycle, then they could apply some feedback that they solicit from uh, so-called experts video game critics like like me and judges who walk around and aren't afraid to give our opinion. In in many cases, however, it's it's already too late. I mean, they can make refinements to um, you know, they, they I mean, there's a there's an old adage when it comes to video games and that is the game is never finished. It's you're only told when to finish it, when it's ready to ship. So, there's always things they can do afterwards and they sometimes make it as a, a download. Um, to, to fix bugs and to, to streamline a few things or even add features after the fact. Um, but, you know, in most cases, there's some things they can do, but they can't overhaul the whole game if there's something. But they'll get an idea if, if they should spend a lot of marketing dollars on it or if they should just let it quietly, you know, be released and hope for the best. <laughs> which um, happens. Which happens. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into into what you saw. You saw. Uh, how about let's start with virtual reality? What did you see there? Right. So uh, that was one of the big trends at the 2015 E3 Expo in LA. So there's a lot of different examples of virtual reality. There was uh, the uh, Oculus Rift headset, which is now owned by Facebook. That was my top pick, and I'll explain why in a moment. Uh, Sony had their Morpheus headset, which works with PlayStation 4, uh, and Microsoft had their HoloLens, which is less about virtual reality and more about what's called augmented reality, where you do put on a headset, but you still see the environment around you, and it's superimpo- these, these goggles that you wear, they superimpose digital information on top of the real world around you in 3D. So imagine... Um, looking, you know, looking around your room and you see a 3D Lego set in front of you, but it's not really there. But you can walk up to it and look from all, uh, uh, look from all angles and it looks like it's really there, but it's superimposed. So, um, that is an example of, uh, of, of augmented reality. Now, Oculus Rift is, is three years in the making. They finally announced a Q1 2016 launch, so early next year. And this is a headset that works with computer games, so a computer, personal computer, and it drops you inside of the game. So as if any of your listeners have experienced VR or virtual reality, it's, it's very immersive. 
it's it's not you know when you play a game even if it's on a an 80 inch TV you can still see the four corners of the TV around you you know I mean you it, it could you know the graphics might be very real realistic and lure you into the game but you still know it's a game it's very hard to have that suspension of disbelief but in virtual reality you put this headset on and you've got 360 degree field of vision so wherever you move your head around you are seeing that game world so you are in the game and you know it's got head tracking as well so if you look over your left shoulder you'll see what's happening over your left shoulder as that character or at least the camera that's not all games are from the eyes of your character's perspective and then there's also 360 degree sound so you know which direction it's coming from and then the third step is sort of uh touch so there are some um controllers that are kind of like gloves that let you um, manipulate content inside that virtual world. So Oculus Rift blew me away once again, uh, where I test drove three different games and then this touch demo that really made you feel like you were inside of a world, not just playing a game that you're watching on a television. It was It's really hard to explain without you experiencing virtual reality, and the applications go above and beyond just video games. There's education, there's uh, training, there's lots of things that VR can do, but it's just mind-blowing, and I think Oculus Rift, um, the technology is still the best out of the bunch. And when did you say that'll be out? Yeah, so early 2016, so the first quarter, so February, you know, Mar- January, February, or March is... Uh, is Q technically Q1? So uh, that's it's. Uh, they haven't announced price yet, but they're they will sell it with you know the headset and a controller. You'll have to plug it into a computer and then buy games that were designed for virtual reality. And if you want to get a rough idea on what it's like without wearing the headset, if you go to YouTube and you type in Oculus Rift and that's O C U L U S and then Rift R I F as in Frank T, uh, then you'll get an you'll see you'll see what people see inside of the games, um, or the reactions. <laughs> people sometimes suffer from vertigo and disorientation because it really does trick your brain into thinking it's real. So if you put a, a roller coaster simulation inside of a virtual reality headset, some people may get physically ill because their brain really thinks it's, it's happening. That's, that's very interesting. Um, speaking of physically ill, the, did you see anything that requires physical activity? Yeah, so they had the, the usual suspects, a couple of dancing games and a couple of music games. In fact, Guitar Hero is coming back, so there's a lot of buzz about that. It's been five years since the games that you put on, you know, uh, you play the you know different instruments with your friends in the room or you play online, and you do get a bit of activity because you're usually standing up um, to play these games, uh, or with drumming, you're at least moving. Uh, so there's a new Guitar Hero called Guitar, Guitar Hero Live, coming out in October, and this is going to be available for multiple systems, and you will be, uh, instead of playing, you know, that you have to hit the right notes at the correct time, uh, that's still the case, but you, instead of seeing a cartoon-like band behind you, you can log on to uh, what's called GHTV, Guitar Hero Television, a 24-hour music video channel, if you will, through the internet, and uh, see the real bands that you know and love, real music videos and concert footage, and play in front of that uh, content and compete against your friends. So there was a lot of buzz about the return of uh, Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero Live, and, uh, you know, I think it's going to do pretty well. I think people are ready for another music game. Or you can just watch The Big Bang Theory and... uh... (laughs) 
yeah, that's Steve right. uh doing that. Um, yeah, that's that's right. Good old Wallowitz. Any uh, new GPS Foursquare style games that you saw? No, I didn't see a lot of uh, location-based gaming for uh, phones or watches. Um, you know, we'll see if the upcoming show in September called CTIA, it's a wireless show, That you might see a little bit more there. But I didn't see a lot of um, games like, you know, um, Treasure treasure Hunts or some, anything like that where you're physically walking around cities. Um, it was mostly co- mostly console and computer and a little bit of mobile gaming. Okay. Any any talk about an all-in-one console? Um, you know, instead of having all these multiple types. So no, I don't think that would ever happen. I mean, I think that the companies like Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo, they're not going to ever collaborate on on hardware or or even on software for that matter. They're they are competitors and they want to own the living room. And there are new gamers as well, new companies coming in uh, that use like an Android. Based system um, for for your TV, but I don't see any collaboration happening there. The closest thing to it, perhaps, announced at this year's E3 Expo is that Microsoft will allow older Xbox 360 games that you've purchased to be played on Xbox One. So previously, you needed you know both systems in your uh, family room in your in your game room, but now uh, as of the holiday, you'll be able to play up to 100 Xbox 360 games on your Xbox One so you can maybe pass down your or donate or sell your older Xbox 360. Well, that's pretty interesting. Okay, we're yeah, going to talk... Yeah, a good idea. Yeah. Um, we're talking about E3 Expo, Mark Saltzman visit and, and experiences there. This is Tom Diorio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 21st of June, 2015, Father's Day. We're going to take a break. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOria. It's Father's Day, June 21st, 2015. And we're talking to our guest, Mark Saltzman, about his experiences at E3 Expo. And, uh, Mark, before we get into some other things about the show, if our listeners want to follow up with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Thank you. If your listeners are on Twitter, I'm at Mark underscore Saltzman. So my name is spelled M-A-R-C, and uh, the last name is Saltzman, S like Sam, A-L-T like Tom, Z-M-A-N. And I link to uh, a lot of the articles that I write and videos that I host. Um, You know, my whole thing is demystifying technology, breaking down geek speak into street speak, if you will. So uh, I do link to all of that on Twitter. So again, my name is Mark with a C underscore Saltzman, S like Sam, A-L-T like Tom, Z-M-A-N. Thank you. Okay, so our... um Producers saw a lot of sequels and reboots, and they wanted to know whether you think that's a concerning trend. I'm sorry, the question was about sequels? Sequels and reboots? Very big trend this year. So, unlike Hollywood, video game sequels are usually better than their predecessors. So, if there's anybody listening right now saying, well, that's not good, there's no stigma in the video game world to have a sequel. If anything, if you grow to love the character's in, in a particular franchise, 
um, then, you know, there's something to look forward to. And they do take the, uh, per, per your earlier question, they do take to heart these developers that make the games. They pour their blood, sweat, and tears into these. They do hear the feedback. Uh, we're, we're a vocal group. We'll tell you what we liked and didn't like about your product. And they apply wherever they can the, as much feedback as possible to make the sequel even better. And it's an extension of the first game. So there is a lot of great um, uh, sequels out there. Something for kids, for example. I know uh, parents listening right now who have young kids, especially boys, are probably well aware of the Skylanders franchise. It's now the number one kids franchise in the world. These are uh, toys. They're action figures that fuse uh, with video games. So you buy the Skylanders video game, and it comes with what's called the Portal of Power. It's a disc that you plug into your video game system, and you place the action figures on that Portal of Power, and they come alive magically on the TV screen when you do that. So the next iteration of Skylanders coming out on on September 20th is called Skylanders Superchargers, and this adds vehicles into the mix. So not only can you place your favorite character on that little disc, that portal of power, but uh, an accompanying vehicle as well, and even customize that vehicle in the game and then race, whether it's a land, sea, or air vehicle, and uh, you know accomplish a number of missions. So I think people are going to really like this. Kids are going to love it. And the good news for parents is that this game will work with older uh, Skylanders characters as well. So there's a nice value proposition there. That's great. Um... Another sequel that I think people are going to be excited about is Tomb Raider. Uh, this is, of course, stars Lara Croft. She became an iconic video game character in the late 90s, early 2000s, so much, in fact, that uh, instead of video games being inspired by movies, this was a, there was a movie starring Angelina Jolie uh, that was inspired by the video game. So she was Lara Croft, a daring uh, female uh, heroine. She was an adventurer, a, a treasure hunter. And um, this new game, Rise of the Tomb Raider, is an Xbox exclusive. It's coming out on November 10th for Xbox One and Xbox 360. And this, once again, stars Lara Croft in the third-person game. So it's not out of the eyes of the character. You get to see Lara Croft from from behind and above her shoulder. And um, this is a prequel of sorts. So it takes place uh, during Lara's first mission. And not only is she battling enemies, but the environment as well. There's all kinds of uh, hazardous uh, traps and uh, other areas that she has to uh, traverse that are dangerous and have to solve puzzles and figure out how to bypass uh, these levels. So it looks great. It looks like a movie. Uh, but you are in control of Lara Croft, and that game is coming out again uh, November 10th for Xbox One and Xbox 360. That sounds uh, very exciting. I think uh, a lot of our listeners are going to want to get back to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. How about, you, you mentioned the, the, the sequels and the reboots, and you mentioned your favorite. Were, were there things you saw that you felt were really original or creative that uh, you'd like to just let us know about? So um, virtual reality was one of my big highlights, so definitely... Um, something that is new uh, and emerging. Uh, then some of the new games were, um, uh, so some of them that I thought were pretty awesome were um, Star Wars Battlefront, which is coming out from Electronic Arts. This is a game, of course, that um, uh, lets you dive into the Star Wars universe, and this is coming out in a couple of months. This looks amazing, so I'm pretty excited about that. 
Star Wars Battlefront will be available on multiple uh, platforms. I played a 40-person multiplayer demo uh, where it was like uh, Rebels versus the Alliance, and it was just a blast. Um, so that was on the icy planet of Hoth, and you choose your weapons. You've got those big AT-AT walkers uh, moving around, those big robotic sort of uh, um, characters. So it was just a real fun, fun game. Uh, another one from Sony is called Horizon. And this is a post-apocalyptic adventure that takes place about a thousand years after the fall of humanity, um, and and sort of nature has overtaken the earth. So um, where there were cities, it has now been overrun by nature. Um, and you are uh, a girl, and she is a member of a clan, and she goes out on the, these epic missions and interacts with the environment. And whatever animals that are left have uh, more or less fused with uh, robotics. And it's a really interesting story, and they tease that there's quite a quite a narrative here. It's not just a, a strategy focused action game, but there's a lot of role playing elements and some really good uh, storytelling in that. And that's called Horizon. That's new uh, and coming out uh, for PlayStation exclusively sometime in 2016. Um, Mark, are, are most of these done by big companies, or are there any independent smaller companies uh, coming out with games of interest? Yeah, so the the usual suspects were there, Activision, Electronic Arts, Sony, Xbox, Nintendo, Ubisoft, um, the big guys. But there were also smaller independent video game makers that uh, were at the show. And, um, you know, what typically happens is that the big guys gobble up some of the small guys or they sign a distribution deal for them. But there was a lot of independent sort of areas at the show where they were all smaller fries that were doing some pretty neat things, you know, again, not the big budgets, but that's often where you'll find some innovation because they're not afraid to take a chance. Uh, unlike the big guys who are, might be afraid to go out on a limb and try a very unique new experience and then spending all that kind of money and nobody buys it. It's, uh, that's something that their shareholders wouldn't like. So, um, you know, I think there was, there was some interesting, um, there were some interesting independent games there. There's one called N plus plus out of Canada that was kind of kitschy, um, you know, sort of an old school kind of game. So there were some neat things there. I this this time around, with the limited time I had on the showroom floor, I focused a little bit more on the the blockbuster games and on the hardware, the virtual reality, mostly because I'm super excited about where that's going. Okay, we've got about thirty seconds left, Mark. Um, any big surprise or big disappointment you'd like to tell us about? Uh, I would just say I'm disappointed that Nintendo didn't have more to show. It's no secret that they've lost a lot of market share to Sony and Xbox over the last couple of years. And, you know, they've got such beloved characters, these beloved mascots like Mario and Donkey Kong and uh, Link from the Zelda series. It's too bad they didn't really show anything um, newsworthy at E3. They had a new Yoshi game which is like that green dinosaur character, and they had a Mario Maker game where kids can make their own levels, which is kind of neat, but really not inventing, not reinventing the wheel or anything, just sticking with what you know they've done in the past, which some people will be happy with. So I'm a little disappointed there, but otherwise, uh, you know, it was a great show all around. Okay, Mark, I really appreciate your time with us today. Uh, it was really informative. And uh, now most of our listeners are going to want to try and crash the party next year. So uh, <laughs> thanks again. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. 
Next week, we're going to be live from our New York offices, and I want to thank uh, Terry Ruggiero, IMI's president, Dave Brandon, Dan Dioria, and Jose Batista for our Week in Review. Taylor Redden's our producer. Matt Campagni is our executive producer. And without Robert Bomback and the KFNX AM 1100 production department, you wouldn't have heard a word we said. Thanks again for listening, and please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 6 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM 1100. Remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions. Questions by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Enjoy the rest of your Father's Day. Have a great week, and thanks again for listening.